Good evening and welcome to the Get Football Mercato Show. Here every weekday to bring you the latest transfer news from across France, Germany and Italy. I'm your host Nathan Staples and joining me this evening are Axel Falk from Get German Football News, Rich Allen from Get French Football News, French journalist um, Robin Berner and we've got a few other guests joining us a little bit later on. It's a bit of a rushed episode this Friday but we will mill through it just like everyone else is during this transfer window. We start in France and news that will please the ears of Leicester City fans as they may be closing in on their replacement for Riyad Mahrez with contract with uh, or contract provision at least with Rashid Ghazal reportedly to have been agreed Robin it's maybe not quite the blockbuster signing that they were maybe hoping to replace Mahrez with but at the same time a solid addition to the Premier League side well I'm not sure solid is a word I'd use to describe Rashid Ghazal he's He's obviously played at a couple of really big French clubs. He started out at Lyon and moved to Monaco last year. Um, but he's one of these guys who's who's just very hot and cold, to be honest. He can be absolutely excellent at times, but but equally he's a player who can just disappear from matches and be completely ineffective. Um, he didn't really have a great deal of influence on Monaco's season last year. And, you know, if I was a Leicester fan and, and he was replacing Mares, I don't think I'd be particularly optimistic about about his uh, about his prospects of replicating uh, the, their record sale. It's an interesting move, really, which we, we had talked to Jez about it last night as well. It seems like. Uh, given that Leicester have signed a couple of players from France previously, but more from from Ligue, is he's someone that could really with the expertise he got placed Mares I mean he's been sort of a backup for the last two years maybe the regular first team football might give him a bit of a boost um, well, well we did see sorry uh, we did see when he when he came into uh, the, the Monaco team uh, sorry the Leon team at the end of the 2016-17 season I think it was he actually was, was really pretty consistent and really really quite impressive but as you say, he was he struggled in, in Monaco last year. wasn't It wasn't regular, and uh, you know he, he did disappear far too quickly from many matches. Rich, what do you what do you think to the move? Is it something that Leicester City's fans should be excited about, or, or maybe a bit more worried about? I think uh, it's 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 cautious optimism. Um, I think if if Claude Puel can can get his arm around Rashid Gazal, can can make him feel that. You know, he is perhaps a little bit of a star of the team. Um, sort of play along to his ego slightly, but 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 not massaging it to to ridiculous levels. Then we know he's got it in him. We you know we we've seen it at Leon, we've seen it fleetingly at, at Monaco. We know he's got the ability. Um, what he doesn't seem to have is the mindset that can keep that going week in week out. Now maybe. Consistent football has a has a part to play with that. He never seemed to really nail down a spot um, where he felt perhaps his most secure at Lyon, and certainly never that never happened at Monaco. So maybe if he can come into this Leicester team and he's playing week in week out, you know he's got the spotlight of it being the Premier League. He's got you know a, a, a French manager who can who can sort of nurture him and 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 keep him focused, keep him on track, then, yeah, maybe they can get the best out of him. I'm going to be very, very intrigued to see what happens with this move because it's it's the last, it, it's probably the last opportunity he's got. He's 26 now. Um, 
10 to 15 million the fee being touted i think that's that's probably very good business more from monaco's perspective considering they signed him on a free um so we'll see i mean you know i, I don't want to write him off just yet but he's um i think he's got perhaps a lot of um certainly french journalists uh, are going to be a little bit more skeptical i think than maybe um than maybe a lot of journalists this side of the water so we'll see um I, I hope it works out for him um because you know as i say on his day he's he's a he's a joy to watch it's very boom or bust doesn't it the feel of that that transfer we'll see if it does pay off for the foxes in the long run should it go through at least anyway on to things in germany and it, it seems like the the crazy deal that um was happening axel last night really that um Arturo Vidal looks like he's sort of shifted gears and heading to Barcelona. Information's coming through that he's maybe agreed to get a, a three-year deal till 2021. Uh, what's the latest? Um, and what do you think to the move for, from a Bayern Munich perspective? Is this an ideal scenario to get him off the books completely? Um, I think it could be. Um, for, I mean, unless Nico Kovac aims to use him, which I, I personally think he should have been uh, aiming to, um, it's better. I mean, it's better to just offload him than to load him out. Um, and to, I think for Vidal, a club like Barcelona might use him quite well as well. So it's a good move for both sides. Um, I think his fees around thirty million, I think, which is good money for Bayern Munich as well for a 29, 30 year old midfielder uh, who they basically already re replaced in Corentin uh, Uh So it's. I think for for Bayern Munich, it's it's better to sell him than to load him out. And unless they're going to use him, it's a very good way to get some money from him and to get some money to spend on on other things. So it's, I think, um, I personally thought he he would fit Nico Kovac's system quite well, considering Nico Kovac likes to use like pressing players and and Vidal is like the epitome of pressing. Um, but unless he's going to use him, selling him is, is a perfect option. And to Barcelona for 30 million is perfect. And it'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on things. Uh, on to Italy now. And we do have a oh, very special guest with us. And it's Claudio Perfetto, Italian journalist. Hey, great to have you on, Claudio. We're going to talk about, um, obviously, a number of things in Italy tonight. But I wanted to start with some Napoli news, at least, anyway. Because I've not heard too much from them this summer but they're slowly creeping up there with with interesting two players um, both well one former league and player and one current league and player in Guillermo Ochoa in goal and Kevin Malqui right back what more can you tell us and are those the right kind of moves for the Napoli team to make to, to move forward yeah it's, it's been a quiet summer from uh, aside from signing uh, Carl Ancelotti obviously that was a major move but as uh, far as you're fading a little bit in and out, Claudio. I think your mic was being a little bit funny. We'll come back to you, Claudio, in a moment. Um, we'll go back to French news, at least, anyway. And, and Robin, some news that's been coming out recently, at least, with Almami Torre. Um, he's been linked with a number of Ligue 1 clubs as well as a couple of other Premier League clubs. But Monaco is sort of in a conundrum at the moment. Do they extend him? Do they let him go? But also with the injury hit Sidibe still on their books and not looking to move on either. Um, what do they do with their right-back situation? Well, obviously, Monaco have, have made their name 
by selling players in recent times. And Almami Touré is in a difficult position because, or they're in a difficult position with Almami Touré because he's only got a year left in his contract. Um, obviously, Sidibes are starting right back, but Almami Touré has proven himself time and again that he's a very, very capable player for them. And if he was to go, he'd be a, a difficult player to replace. Um, from his point of view, you can see why he would want to leave. Uh, he's perhaps not had the game time that he would wish, or perhaps that he would even deserve. Um, he's, he's proven himself to be a very, very capable player. Uh, if I was Monaco, I'd be seeking to keep him because I don't think that they're going to be able to sign a replacement that they can guarantee is going to be as effective as him uh, for the money that they're likely to get for him at this stage. Um, you know, as you say, I, I believe he's he's turned down Nice already and Crystal Palace are said to be interested in it. I think if I was... Uh, a Crystal Palace fan, I'd be very, very content to see a, a guy like Toure come into the, the team. I think he's a very capable player. Rich, I want your thoughts on this one as well, because like we've said before, Toure's a, a good right back, has played plenty of football in the last couple of years, although maybe not quite as much as he's hoped, but we've always felt like he may be the sort of successor to City, be even a better option than the French international. Would it be the right move for the to allow him, for Monaco to allow him to, to go elsewhere? Um, well, I think Monaco have positioned themselves that that seems to be where they're heading towards. Um, I think you look at players that they've signed um the last couple of transfer windows, they've brought in Jordi Gaspar, they've brought in uh, Pierre-Gabriel from Saint-Étienne, both of whom are very young, but are still capable of playing, covering that right-back position with... I think what's probably thrown a spanner in this works is I think everybody assumed that, that Gibral Sidibe was leaving this summer. That's not materialised. Um, so... Uh, I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll see. I, I fully expect him to go. I don't think Monaco will be wanting to let him go on a free. Um, and I just think the signings that they have made recently indicate that, sadly, uh, I mean, I'm a huge fan of, of, of Torres. I don't think he has a future at the club. I think if I can just bump, uh, jump in there for a yeah, second, that Monaco have actually made a mistake by holding on to CDB for so long. I think he perhaps should have gone maybe last summer um, and allowed Touré to come in and you know play more regularly. Mm, it's, it's a strange situation, isn't it? I know that now we're thinking that um, Pierre-Gabriel Pierre coming to the club, you think that he might be the sort of replacement for, for one or the other, but um, you would have always thought that Sadibi would be the player to go in the end. Um, on to more news in Liga, and I'll, I'll get your thoughts on this first, Rich, because obviously it's involving your club, Ren, who are hunting players still, in, and they're attracting the uh, the eyes of Naim Sleet, who had a very good season last campaign. Would he be a great addition to that squad? Yeah, I mean, Olivier Le Tong, the, 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 the Ren president, has made it very clear that he wants um, he wants to, to, to increase the uh, the squad numbers obviously they they'll be playing in Europe this season and he's he's adamant that they want to play their strongest in in every competition they're in um european football is is few and far between for Rennes. so um they're going to they're going to want to make as much of a a much of a go of it as possible with obviously the hope that they can qualify again at the end of end of this season and yeah they want to look at boosting the squad they um I mean, it's 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 slightly unusual because you'd have expected a player of Naeem Sleety's quality to come in and be an automatic starter. You know, he had a great season for Dijon. Um, he went to the World Cup. Um, 
and he's attracted a lot of interest. So for him to come in and be challenging there for pretty much almost anyway on a direct basis with his minor size is slightly confusing. Um, there obviously have been rumours that 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 Saar himself may be subject to some some interest from from much larger clubs, having having shone briefly at the World Cup. Um, whether it's one eye on that, I, I I hope not, because we've only seen probably sort of half a season really of Ismail Assar with with Ren really. Um, but I think he's an excellent player. You know, he's he's a, he's a dribbler, loves the ball at his feet, loves running at players. Um, I still have queries over necessarily the quality of the end product, but certainly uh, in terms of adding attacking threat, yeah, he's 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 got that. So um, if it's if it's to boost the squad, as as Latong has has indicated, great. If it's with a you know half eye on, oh, actually, you know what, we could lose Ismail Assar um, this summer, then I'd perhaps be a little bit more. Um, disappointed, but um, you know I can't I can't complain with quality being added to that that, that Ren team. Robin, it seems like a, a good move potentially for club and player. Really, we thought that Naim Sleety may be looking to to move on from Dijon this summer, having given that he he had such an excellent campaign. And while it was a quite a World Cup than some might have expected, uh, this person speaking specifically putting him in our um, ones to watch, he didn't really quite shine as much as we thought he might do. But someone that could add to Ren's push to the Europa League. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I thought he was one of the most underrated players in France last year. And as, as Rich hinted at, he's, he's a great player to watch. Um, you know, he's obviously a very attacking and, and very exciting player. And, uh, you know, European football is really going to stretch this Ren squad. Uh, as as uh, Rich said, they are a little bit light on numbers. The season starts in a matter of days, effectively. Um, and it does seem that they do need additional bodies in there. And uh, Sleety, he might only play half the matches, Two, two thirds of the matches, something like that. But if, if they were to get the kind of production that Dijon managed to get from him last year, I, I think they'd be quite happy with that. Um, yeah, he's certainly a player who can perform in Liga, and it would be interesting to see how he could do on the European on a European side. Um, it will be interesting, additionally, just to uh, just to see them increase their numbers in an attacking sense, because you know, as I said, they, they do need that. And it's going to be interesting to see if they can finally start being legitimate, consistent contenders for that Europa League space and stop giving a Rich so many heart attacks, really. <laughs> um, on to our final bit of news in Liga tonight, and that's involving Nantes, who have um, a number of moves sort of in the pipelines as, as things look to be happening. Um, and Robin, I know you spoke about this uh, on your Twitter feed also earlier this week, that um, they look like not only are they going to poach Matt Miazga from Chelsea on loan when he was literally in the jaws, it seemed like, at Com, but also um, a move for Maggi Waris, who has attracted another um, league and clubs, a possible double move that, that may just about strengthen both areas of the pitch. Yeah, that's right. Um, Nantes are an interesting prospect this year because uh, they've got a new a new coach in Miguel Cardoso who wants to apparently play on a much more expansive style than uh, either Fabio Conceição or Claudio Ranieri have. At the moment, given their personnel, that's, that's going to be a bit complicated. So if, if they can get in a goal scorer like Majid Waris, that would be a, a major boost to them. Um, Matt Maizga is obviously a, a, a renowned defender. 
and he too would would certainly make a difference uh, in in the rear guard. Although that's probably not a a, a position that needs needs bolstered as much. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what Nong do in an attacking sense over the the course of the next month because they do need additional bodies there if if they're going to play in the manner that Cardoso seems to want them to play in. It's going to be a strange season for not really. They, they, it's another season of upheaval at managerial level, Rich. But um, these two moves, I know Waris has got Ligue 1 experience, but he's been in and out of the teams recently, at least, and and maybe a questionable head on his shoulders sometimes. But uh, Miaska, a young defender that's improving with every game, what do you think to the moves? Uh, Waris makes more sense to me. Um they sorely, sorely lacked um, attacking threat and goals last season, um, and and really got where they got where they finished on the basis of a, of a really strong defence. Um, so you know they're going to want to play, as Robin Robin suggested. The, you know the new the new coach is, is looking to play a, a more attractive style of football, um, and with that, then he's going to he's recognised that he needs to bring in more more um, more forwards. Waris, as you say, has has league and experience. Um, at times, he's looked very, very effective. You know, he had a a short but uh, hugely, almost hugely influential um, spell with Valenciennes a few years ago, and then joined Lorient and and had relative success there. Um, and but as you say, he's very hot headed. Um, if things aren't going his way, he he has. He has it in him to uh, to be a little bit naughty, shall we say? But um, uh, in, in terms of Miazga, I mean, I, I don't know if that defence needs a great deal adding to it. I mean, they they obviously lost Leo Dubois, um, who moved over to to Lyon in the summer. Um, they brought in Fabio, who I would imagine is a will act as a as a direct replacement. Um, the defence I thought looked solid last season. Um, Nicola Palwar aside, it's not a particularly aging defence. So uh, I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's something to do with the US market. They've obviously got a little bit of history there with with Bedoya having previously been been at Nantes. Um, that one, yeah, that one, I don't necessarily see making as much sense. But you know, fresh young faces can't 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 be too much of an issue. But yeah, I think Waris. Um, you know he's got his issues, but again, get his head focused in the right place. He's a, he can be a, a pretty effective striker, which Nantes certainly need. I don't think there's many not agreeing with you, Rich. Not definitely, definitely need some more firepower. Uh, on to things in Italy, and hopefully we can speak to Claudio again. Is your microphone a little bit better now, Claudio? Hey guys, sorry, you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you a bit, maybe a bit more, we'll try our best to continue. So let's go back to those Napoli deals with Ochoa and Malkui. What can you tell us? Yeah, so Ochoa is being brought in as uh, a temporary replacement for Merit, the goalie that they signed from Udinese, a very young, promising Italian goalie. Um, but he broke his arm during the preseason uh, training, so... They are bringing in Ochoa now just as a temporary replacement. I expect Merritt to be the full-time starter uh, later on in, in the season. And then Malkut also, Napoli has Hisa at right back, who has done a great job for them. Husari really uh, 
really love to utilize, especially on both sides of the flanks once Gulam went down. But Ancelotti might have different opinions of them. But I think they're just trying to strengthen their depth in um, all different areas of the field because Ancelotti, you know, he's not going to be focusing only on Serie A just like Sadi did last year. He's probably going to want to try to compete in as many competitions as possible. So I could see them making minor reinforcements here just to strengthen the, the, the squad overall. It's, it's going to be an interesting one, given that happily we so much contenders, but it was depth that was their worry last season, Claudio. Is that their main focus for the rest of this transfer window of keep as many as they can on board and, and really strengthen out that squad to, to fight on more fronts? Yeah, absolutely. Um, they wanted to keep Hamsik. He was close to moving to China, but then Ancelotti called him and uh, kept him uh, in the squad. He told them basically he would turn him into more of a, a regista than uh, the box-to-box midfielder that he's been for Napoli all these years. And I guess that's way, a way of convincing him and prolonging his, his career a bit. Um, with Napoli but um, you know the only loss they've had so far is Jorginho to Chelsea which Ancelotti was okay with because they have Diawada uh, a young midfielder there ready to take his spot and Ancelotti uh, really believes in him so their biggest concern like you said was depth last year Uh, they they've retained their stars except for Jorginho Uh, the rest of the team is there and they're probably going to make a couple of more minor changes like these just to, to add depth to the squad more than any flashing signing, except for Fabian Ruiz, who who will probably be a, a starter for them, who was their big their big signing this offseason. Yeah, there's going to be... Interesting to see if they can compete with all these other Serie A clubs making so many big moves. And another club that's making moves in the right direction, really, is Fiorentina, Claudio. They've made some little transfers that look like they're slowly progressing through for Piaccia and Kevin Morales, which is all but confirmed um, earlier this evening. And, and the Piaccia deal with a loan option to buy is a, reportedly a done deal from your guys at Di Mazio. Um, what do you think to those moves? Do they push Laviola into uh, more Europa League contenders? They were on the fringes last season, but a, a chance for them with the likes of Chiesa and others with these moves to, to push even further to, to that goal? Uh, they're an interesting team. The owners are under a lot of pressure there. The fans do not like the owners. They protest often because Fiorentina has not really invested in the team over the past few years. They've made a lot of big sales like Bernardeschi to Juventus, um, but they really haven't spent the money to reinforce the squad. Last year, they put together a nice younger team who performed well after really the tragedy of Davide Astori. After he passed away, the team kind of came together and made a good run at the uh, Europa League. They fell just short. But these moves, I like Piaka a lot. He, he showed a very good signs at Juventus then he had a very serious injury obviously and spent last year on loan uh, in Germany so that's one move that it's a it's a low risk high reward type of move move where if he performs well for them the buyout will not be too much next year to to keep him so they're going to make moves like that but it's not going to satisfy the fan base who who are really looking for a star, but they have Federico Chiesa. And I think if they're able to hold on to him for the rest of the window, which seems to be the trend at the moment, um, they'll the fans will be okay. And they should be a contender still for, for the Europa League next season. And that's going to be 
one of their focuses, at least anyway, to try and get back yeah. in that Europa League hunt with so many teams in that fight. In, There's in a lot, yeah. They, they're very Serie A is becoming very deep this year, which is which is a very good thing for the league. Yeah, and one thing that's probably going to make them even deeper is this continuing rumor about Modric. Um, obviously, with Plan B going out the window with Vidal heading to to Barcelona. Reports tonight, really, that um, Luka Modric is asking Perez for for a new challenge, and with Italy eagerly awaiting in the wings, potentially still trying to pull off their dream signing, can it really happen? You know, it, it's very similar to the Ronaldo to Juventus situation. Um, it's it started with the agents. Um, you know, Inter's talking to Modric's agent. Apparently, he has a meeting scheduled next week with Florentino Perez uh, to speak uh, about his career at Real Madrid and, and maybe even ask to leave. He feels like he needs a new challenge. I'm not sure what's going on at Real Madrid that players, all these players want to leave. Ronaldo made a little more sense to me because he's a little older. He spent a lot of time there. He felt like the club wasn't really respecting him. But Modric seems like he had a great relationship with the club. But um, as far as the transfer itself, it's going to be a very difficult transfer. Uh, you know, Juventus had uh, has a very fine, uh, very healthy financial situation where Inter is just getting back to that level. Their finances are much better now. The Champions League obviously will help them, uh, but it's going to be a big undertaking. But I think now they have to push to make this signing. Uh, because they lost Vidal, because the story was in Italy and to their fan base that Vidal was plan B and, and they had him on standby, ready to go. And now Barcelona swooped in for him. So if they don't sign Vidal or Modric, it's going to be very, very bad look for them to the fan base. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. We should know more earlier next week as far as the, the reality of him joining Inter Milan. And I'm sure that's when the excitement will really start to build. On to the final bit of news in Italy tonight. And it's a bit of a, a suggestion of one, sort of maybe a bit more of an Instagram rumour in these modern days. But um, Gonzalo Higuain has obviously chosen, um, reportedly, the number nine jersey at AC Milan, which obviously is occupied by a player at the moment, Claudio, in Andre Silva. Um, does that put his future into question? His future is definitely in, in question. I think right now... The, the problem, not problem, but the situation at Milan is that a lot of the players on the team were purchased last year by the uh, Chinese ownership and uh, Fasone and Mirabelli. And now that they're all out, um, Leonardo is in and he's making decisions on the team. So it's really going to depend on, on his view of Andre Silva if he believes that he could turn into a star player. He showed some, some flashes of it last year at Milan. He had a couple of, uh, of weeks later on in the season, I believe against Kievo uh, and Udinese, where he scored game-winning goals right, right at the end of the match to help Milan. Uh, he played well in the Europa League, but overall the season had to be a disappointment. Um, they have to make some sales, uh, as, especially in the striker department. Kalinic definitely seems like he's on his way out of the squad, and Andre Silva could, could uh, follow. I think if Leonardo, he's trying to sign a, a midfielder, if he is able to identify one and uh, make a solid signing, I could see Andre Silva uh, sacrifice because they have to stay within the parameters of uh, financial fair play. So I, I would give it a 50-50 shot of Andre Silva leaving Milan this season. 
It's going to be interesting see what they decide to do with all those striking options in the end. Thank you, Claudia. On to things in the Bundesliga. And we do have Ronan Murphy of Goal.com joining us, as well as obviously Axel Falk. Welcome to the show, Ronan. Uh, hi, guys. How are things? Very well, thank you. You're a little bit quiet if you can turn it up on your end, but I will go through the, the story I want to start off with uh, with yourself. We, we mentioned it briefly earlier with Axel, Ronan, and that's the deal for um, Arturo Vidal. We're understanding that um, a medical is going to be happening in the next couple of days at Barcelona, being snatched from the fingertips of Inter. Uh, an interesting move for the player, but we obviously want to focus on, on Bayern Munich. Is this the right move for the club to get him out, especially not just on a loan, but for a permanent move? Yeah, I think Axel said it earlier that it's kind of the right deal to to have at the moment because he only had one year left on his contract. So for Byron to get the kind of 20 million plus that they're after receiving for him, it, it'll be good for them and they'll be able to use it to reinforce elsewhere because they have an abundance of central midfielders. And it's a good idea to, to maybe move Vidal on. And like Axel was saying, Tolisso is, is the new man there. So if uh, it, they're kind of looking forward to him to... Uh, propel the, the midfield forward in the future and they're after signing Leon Gretzka obviously on a free transfer from Schalke so they have plenty of depth there so Vidal is kind of surplus to requirements at the moment so it's 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 a good move for all parties really and I'm pretty sure the Chilean won't be too disappointed with heading to the at least and let's go on to more news from the um, Bundesliga and, and one of the prevailing stories for one of the big teams Borussia Dortmund has been the striker situation they've come up short a number of times they've not really getting anyone in Ronan at the moment it was Mandzukic at one point that's why they wanted to possibly get back in at one point but neither have sort of pulled off it's now even signing that Maximilian Philip might start as a, as a sort of shadow striker which seems strange for him What what's the current situation and are they going to bring in someone before the deadline yeah, the most recent rumour was Kevin Gamero, and he seems to want to go to Valencia now. So it seems that whoever they're being linked with doesn't really want to go to Dortmund, which isn't a great sign, despite them being the Champions League team. But um, I, I'd say we will see someone come in before the window closes, because even though Michael Zork is after saying that he's not willing to spend on a striker just for the sake of it, they can't really go into the season just having Maximilian Philip and Isaac as a reserve because it, neither of them are going to get you 20 goals a season in the Bundesliga, never mind European goals. And if anything happened to Philip, Isaac just hasn't performed at that level yet to, to kind of lead the line. And they'd end up maybe ending, shifting Rice into the striker role or Pulisic or something. So it, it wouldn't be a good idea not to sign a striker. But they're, they're probably going to have to, to dip into the well of maybe someone that Favre worked with in France or something. Because... The, the rumours for players elsewhere aren't really materialising. No one really wants to go. So unless he can get someone from League One, maybe Robin might have some insight there. But I think anyone who's who's played under him or he's played against has been linked recently. But there's nothing kind of strong at the moment. So it's panic stations for Dortmund, really. Mm, and that's the interesting one, really, Axel, is, is that Ronan said it perfectly there by saying they're in panic stations, really, more than anything, because now everyone knows they want a striker. They have a limited amount of time to do it. Their options are fading. Um, are they going to get desperate? Um, it's not really like Dortmund style to get desperate uh, when it comes to this. Um, it seems to be Michael Sorg and Hasjokin Vatskis. Uh, kind of way to relax and trust the material they have. Uh, I think actually, I do think that Philip could 
score 20 goals a season, uh, next season at least, with Roy, Sancho and, and likes behind him. Um, I do have a not think that Axel Isak could do that, but um, if it could become something, I mean, he's been better been tested in, in like a striker, striker position. So I think it seems very Bruce Dorpen to trust a player like Maximilian Philip, a player that hasn't played there um, at all, basically, and uh, who has been quite unproven. So it's 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 very Bruce Dorpen to not get panicked, um, even though they should get panicked, I, I should say, um, and just trust Maximilian Philip. It's going to be a, well if the yellow wall can pull something off before the window. That that might be just enough, especially with Bayern losing players. You never really know. Maybe a period of transition. We shall see. On to players that are interesting Premier League clubs now, Roman. And there's a couple on the list: Marvin Plattenhart and Jetro Williams, the fullbacks, being the ones that have been linked most recently. What do you think to the two players and what they can offer um, the English Premier League if they were to to join? Well, I think from what we've heard from Hertha Berlin during the week that maybe Plattenhardt is going to leave. It, they kind of were indicating that it might be the best for all parties. So I could see that happening. But Jetro Willems, I'm not so sure whether he will move. I know he's been linked with Fulham today. But um, I'm not sure whether Eintracht will give up on him so easily after just signing him last season. He had a great start to life in, in the Bundesliga. It was kind of trailed off in the second half of the season after the winter break he didn't he was out of the team for a few games in a row and he was on the bench and a few things like that but I think he has the talent to succeed and maybe they're, they're probably not willing to give up on him just yet but Marvin Blattenhardt he's a, like he played in the World Cup so we know the kind of a, the level that he plays at I suppose although Germany weren't great in the World Cup but uh, the uh he he's a he's a solid, consistent defender. He's not he's not going to set the world alight. He's, he's kind of a, going to end up as a mid-table Premier League player if he does move. But he's he'll be reliable, but not a lot more. And Axel, what do you think? I mean, you would have seen plenty of Jetro Williams last season, especially a Plattenhart, obviously a, a German international. So they have got experience. Although both look like they, well, at least one of them's angling for a move away. Or would they be players that, that should interest Premier League clubs or are they maybe a little bit far-fetched given that Jetro Williams is maybe a little bit experienced? Marvin Plattenhart obviously playing for some more of a mid-table club. What do you think? Uh, I think Ron was quite on, like spot on when it comes to uh, Marvin Plattenhart. Uh, he's a regular defender. He He's quite normal. <laughs> he's got a great left foot to one of the best... Um, uh, one of his... Uh, feet when it comes to like free kicks in Bundesliga but more than that he's I mean he's basically just a good defender and he would do well for most mid-table clubs in, in the Premier League I'm sure Jekyll Willems is um, more uncertain I would say um, his best games for Eintracht Frankfurt were when Eintracht Frankfurt were on the front foot when they were attacking um, and Jekyll Willems defensive work rate and defensive qualities are more than questionable, I would say, uh, Nico, which was the reason why Niko Kovac benched him um, in his second half of the season for right-back and right-footed uh, Tim De Chandler, who played left wing-back for like basically half a season. So, um, Willems is more uncertain, I would say, um, than Mount Platinum. Mount Platinum should be a target for many clubs in Europe uh, who are aiming for like a solid left-back Jeter Williams less so. I think Jeter Williams would fit more as a left wing back or possibly even left midfielder, actually. Um, 
But I do also think that Frankfurt are not too keen on selling yet Willems because I think Olaf Hütter, uh, the new coach at Frankfurt, of course, seems to be quite keen on Jeter Willems and keen on keeping him. Keen on, keen on developing him, him into a very capable defender, which Olaf Hütter seems to be very good uh, in doing. So, um, Marvin Platner seems to be a very reasonable rumour. I think that could definitely happen and should possibly even happen. Jeter Willems less so. Something to keep an eye on, at least anyway, for Premier League clubs that do serviceable defenders, at least anyway. On to our final bit of news in Germany tonight, and it's involving a man we've talked about a number of times on the show, but obviously not to yourself, Ronan. Um, it's Axel Witzel. Um, obviously, he's been linked with Borussia Dortmund. We know about the release clause from his Chinese club, but um, a little bit of dragging the heels as such. Is this some kind of motion on this deal that seems to be stalling? Yeah, it seems to be a kind of a the Chinese club Tianjin Quanjin, if I'm pronouncing my Chinese clubs correctly, I might need to brush up on those. Um, maybe in FIFA 19, when we add the Chinese teams, I might be able to pronounce them a bit better from listening to the commentators say it. But uh, yeah, I, I think they're kind of they're the ones dragging their heels. They're not willing to sell them because it's not the Chinese transfer window isn't open at the moment. So they're claiming that the 20 million release clause that he has just isn't. It's not applicable at the moment, so it seems that Witzel's lawyers, as well as Borussia Dortmund's lawyers, are trying to get push a deal through at the moment because both those parties want the deal to happen, but but the Chinese club just don't want anything to happen at the moment. And that's frustrating, really, as it can be, Axel. It seemed like every Chinese club wanted to poach everyone else's players a couple of years ago. Now the sort of roles have reversed with the with the issues with the with the government changing some of their tax rules, etc. But um, still, a man that. Dortmund would love to have in the midfield and, and, and add a bit more experience. But is that the. We talked about strikers obviously earlier, but is this as pressing a priority? Um, yeah. Uh, first of all, I think it's quite funny that Axel Witzel is basically being held hostage in China. Um, and I think uh, he could work extremely well at Dortmund. Uh, I think it should be a priority to, to sign a player of his type. Um, I think they would. He would fit extremely well into the team that I think Lucien Favre is trying to build. Um, if you're looking at how he played at both Nice and at uh, Mönchengladbach, he he's often looking for that kind of a hectic and uh, very pressing midfielder that Axel Witzel is. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it. I mean, his play type, his his playing style, and his I think leadership build as well would fit Favre very very well. As well as Bruce Dortmund's kind of style and identity, well as well, because Bruce Dortmund, we must remember, is a very and has been since Klopp took over a very pressing side, and Fabri likes that um, less so than Klopp, of course, but still, uh, I think Bitzer will fit into that team extremely well, and he's got a very very nice uh, first name as well. Yeah, I thought you might think that, Axel. He also might uh, help not just in shirt sales, but maybe some uh, wig sales as well. But we'll wait and see if it uh, does go through. Uh, that's all that we have time for this evening. My thanks to everyone who's joined us this evening. Thanks to Claudio, Robin, Rich, Ronan and Axel Full House this evening. And obviously, thank you for your company as well at home. Uh, please do join us again next week for more from the crazy world that is the transfer window. Good night.